God is good, right, the truth always remains. Facts always change. One of the things, it was funny because it was Josh, actually, that the last time he preached here, something's just stuck in my head and my heart. And one of the things that he was saying is that facts change, but the truth always remains. Facts can change. So the, 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 the issues of the, the virus, etc., you know, from the time it started, it's, this was fact. And then suddenly, this is the fact. And then suddenly, it changes, and this is the fact. But the truth always remains. And we trust and believe in the Word of God. Amen? And the, the Word of God is truth, and that truth never changes in spite of what we face, what the challenges that we face, what we go through. And we're going to be reading about Daniel and his friends in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And last week, Chris shared about um, how the Israelites were taken into captivity in the year 605 BC. And King Nebuchadnezzar beseeched the city, took the best of the bunch, if you like, and the prominent people into exile. And Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel happened to be those among who were taken captive. And if you are, I can't see anyone actually. If you're aged between 15 and 17, stand up quickly. If you're anywhere aged between 15 and 17. Really? No one here? Age? Yeah, come on, give him a hand. So can you imagine that the, three, the four guys who were, who were in exile were probably aged between 15 and 17 when they were taken away from their country, from what they knew, from what they experienced, from their lives, from their families. They were actually taken away into exile at the ages of 15 to 17. And now the king decided to choose the best of the best because he thought, what better way for them to serve me? I'm going to pick the best of the best to serve me, uh, but they'll have to go through some training. So they had to go through uh, training there, uh, for three years. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego <laughs> were four of the ones that were chosen, and they had to go through this training. And Chris mentioned last uh, week that they had to go through um, you know, learn science and maths and all, all the other astrology, uh, all the things that the Babylonians would be learning. But also they had to eat the best food as well that the king provided for them. And as a result, you know, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said, we can't eat this uh, delicacy because some of it has been uh, given to the gods, to the idols, have been shared to their gods and they refused even in that, and they, he challenged the, the, the king's official to say, look, we're going to only eat vegetables and see what we like at the end of the 10 days. If we look, if we don't look well, then we'll give in. But if we do, then... And the thing was that the official actually liked the four guys. I'm not going to keep saying Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but the four guys. And they, at the end of the 10 days, anyway, they looked great, and they continued... And they were chosen at the end of the 10 days. They came out, they stood out, and they were doing really, really well. So this morning, I'm going to focus on the two stories in Daniel, in the book of Daniel. And they're very popular stories that you would have heard as a child in Sunday school growing up. 
And the first one is in Daniel 3, 1 to 30. And it's about Nebuchadnezzar and the golden statue. So Babylon was an amazing empire. The king was uh, very powerful. He was very wealthy. And in that uh, environment, they were very self-indulgent. But one of the things that the Babylonians did was they worshipped idols. It was quite common. It was a common thing. And so the, the king decided to make this huge a gold statue of himself. By the way, I was watching, um, I think, I've forgotten the guy's name, but a, a documentary on North Korea. And this guy was going around, Michael Palin, that's it. And I found, what I found really interesting is that when he went to the, the city, the main city of North Korea, there were these huge bronze statues of the, the, their leaders who uh, died. And they were 60 feet tall, and literally, he looked minute standing there. And the people, when they went there, they would bow down. So I found that quite interesting. Anyway, back to the story of uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. He built a statue that was 90 foot high and 9 foot, feet wide. And you can imagine this. This must have taken time, by the way. Because when we read stories, don't we? It's almost like, da-da-da-da, the end. But we forget all the, the time that this takes and what happens in between the times, the commas, the dots, you know, the full stops. We forget all that, what happens in between. So this must have taken some time. Anyway, he built this statue and then commanded the people that at the sound of music and instruments being played, they had to actually stop what they were doing and they had to worship they had to bow down to the statue and worship the uh, idol, worship the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar of himself. And anyone who didn't do that would be thrown into the fiery furnace. And this was the command. So it happens at the sound of the music, the, the, the men started to, the, the people started to play the instruments and that. So you had to literally stop wherever you were stop what you were doing and you had to bow down. So the people all bowed down and started to worship. And the king's officials just happened, just happened to see that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego didn't actually bow down uh, to worship the idol. So immediately they went to the king and told him, king, you know, this is what it says, um, you know, didn't you say you decreed that, you know, people should be bowing down to you? So anyway, when they told him, he flew into a rage and he had the three guys brought to him. And I find this interesting. He gave them an ultimatum. He gave them a chance. You know, he was huge. He, he was powerful. He was wealthy. And he had the power. It was the decree that actually if you didn't bow down, you'd be thrown into the furnace. But he, he gave them a chance, which I find quite interesting. And he said, I'll give you an ultimatum. If you bow down now, you'll be okay, basically. But this was their response. And I just find this fascinating as well and amazing that they said that. And this is what they said. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you 
your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've set up. Can you imagine saying that to someone so powerful who had the power of life and death and he could have immediately just had you executed there and then. But such was their stand and faith in God that this is what... They were either very stupid or they were very, very courageous. And the king obviously flew into a rage, had them... What, what he did was he said, actually... I'm going to make this furnace, make it seven times hotter because I want them to pay for what they've said. You know, how dare they? So, and then he commanded that the soldiers take them and throw them into the fire. But this furnace was no ordinary furnace. It was probably an industrial furnace, which they probably baked bricks in, made bricks and stuff. So um, in the process of the soldiers taking them, trying to throw them into the fire, it was so hot that actually they were burnt and they died as a result of putting the three guys into the furnace. And this is where we pick up the story, uh, Daniel 3.24. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, he said, I see four men, I see four guys. They're unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth one looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants. And this is what I find interesting. This is what it says in the Bible. Servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. That he actually verbalized uh, and said, servants of the Most High God, come out. So they stepped out, and everyone crowds around them, and not a hair on their head is touched. They didn't even smell of smoke. And if you've ever done a barbecue, and you've come inside, it's awful, isn't it? All your clothes smell, and, and your hair, and uh, well, I hate that smell. I sort of want to wash my hair and stuff. It really smells, doesn't it? But this is amazing because they say, it says that they didn't even smell of smoke. And then Nebuchadnezzar says this, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is what he says. He sent his angels to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree, if any people, whatever race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach of them, they will be torn in pieces from limb to limb, and they will be, the houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. There's some amazing declarations from, some, from an unbeliever. Can you imagine it? Actually declaring truth, and he's not even a believer. And as a result of the three men and their faithfulness, the Bible says that the king promoted them. They got a promotion. Well, the second story we take up in Daniel 6. And this is the story of Daniel in the lion's den. I remember um, hearing this story in Sunday school, you know, being taught these stories. How many of you uh, were taught this uh, story in Sunday school? And this is what it says. It says, uh, Darius the Mede, he now had taken over the kingdom. Then, you know, time has passed. 
and he appointed a higher officer to rule over each of his provinces. The king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So he had special plans for Daniel, but at, the, at, at hearing this, all the other officials and administrators got jealous. And they thought, actually, you know, we can't have this. And they planned and schemed of what they could do and how they could find him, you know, find a way of getting him uh, taken out. And this is what they say. This is what the Bible says. But Daniel's handling of government affairs, they couldn't find any fault in him. They started to find fault in him because he was always responsible, he was always faithful, and he was always trustworthy. So they thought, actually, what else can we, where else can we find fault in him? And they said, actually, we, let's find uh, something to do with his religion, his faith. Let's find if we can do something with his faith, find fault. So what they planned and schemed, they went to the king and said, King, why don't you give orders over these next 30 days that anyone who prays to any person, or whether divine or human, except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den. And they were actually obviously speaking to the king's pride as well. And the king thought, yeah, that sounds cool to me, you know, because I'm strong and mighty and and they just played up to that and so the king said okay and there was a decree that for the next 30 days everyone had to bow down and worship pray to Darius and in this story we find Chris actually already mentioned it that Daniel was 80 over 80 years old anyone 80 here who's Who's 80? Stand up if you're 80 or over. Well, well done. Amazing. Dorcas is amazing. So, yeah, she looks amazing, I know. Daniel was 80 years old when he was actually, when this happened, when this story, when he learned of the plans and we, when he learned, sorry, of the law that had been set, what was his reaction? The Bible says he went to his home, he went upstairs, and he did what he normally did, was pray. And the windows were open, so people could see that he was praying. And the Bible says that he prayed like he normally prayed, and he prayed three times a day. Now, the officials must have known that about Daniel. They must have known and seen that this is what he did. So they knew exactly what time to go and to, to say, there, we've got you. And so that's what they did. They went at the exact time that Daniel was praying and they saw him praying. So they went back to the king and said, um, they didn't actually say, well, you know, Daniel's doing this. But they said, hey, king, didn't you just have this decree, you know, that if people didn't pray to you over these 30 days that you'd throw them in the lion's den? And the king went, yeah. And they said, well, actually, there is one who's not bowing down to you, who's not praying to you, and that's Daniel. 
because he prays to his God three times a day. And I find this interesting also that as uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's response was to get angry with the three guys, here the, the Bible says the king was actually angry with himself for signing the law. And he tried to find a way to get him out, to get Daniel out, but to no avail. Because once it had been decreed, that was it. He couldn't take back what he'd said. Signed, sealed, and delivered. So finally, I mean, he tried a way to find, uh, to get Daniel out, but he couldn't. But anyway, Daniel was arrested, thrown into the lion's den. In the meantime, the Bible says the king was so upset that he spent the evening by himself. He didn't eat. It says he fasted. And he couldn't sleep. He didn't sleep all night. Now, if that was me, I'd think I'll just lay in and I'll, I'll just go and check up on Daniel in the afternoon. That would be all right. But the, the Bible says very early the next morning, he went very early to check up on Daniel. You know, that really shows us that he must have regarded Daniel very highly. You know, he must have thought of Daniel very highly and liked him as well. So he went. And he said, Daniel, you know, he called out to Daniel. Daniel responded. The king was overjoyed that God had protected Daniel. And then he issued a decree that everyone should fear Daniel's God. And as a result, Daniel was promoted. So it's interesting, isn't it, that all of them were promoted in their challenge, through their challenge, and in going through the, the difficult time, at the end of it, they were both promoted. And also, I find it interesting that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire because of what they didn't do, and Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because of what he did do. So there are times in our lives that we need to stand up and do the things that God has called us to do and to be counted so people can see the way we live our lives. And there are times that we need to stand and not join in and not do the things that people do that might be normal. And that I find interesting. So what takeaways can we get from these two stories? And number one, firstly, they stood out. God's calling us to stand out and to be different. All these guys stood out from the people around them People saw that there was something different about them. They maintained their relationship and their faith with God. They were men of prayer. Um, they were men of integrity. They showed humility in the way that they respected authority and the people around them. They were consistent in what they did. They were faithful and loyal. They were courageous. And the Bible even says when you read the scriptures that they were gifted, they were full of wisdom. And that was one of the reasons why they were picked. In Daniel, it says, make sure they're well, well versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good sense, have poise needed to serve the royal palace. Teach these young men the language and literature of the Babylonians. And it, in 17, it says, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for learning the literature and science of the times. And God gave Daniel the special ability in, under, in understanding the meanings and, of visions and dreams. And when the tr training period was finished, it's interested. It's, uh, it also, it says, that after that, the king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they entered the royal service. And whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the other officials in his entire kingdom. So they showed aptitude, but they also showed discipline of character. They were honest and trustworthy in, what, in, in the way that they lived their lives. And they had a spirit of excellence in everything that they did. And it's, when you read it, it comes off that they were confident. They weren't proud or arrogant, but they were confident. And that's because of their relationship with God. You know, and it, they, they were skillful. They had a good work ethic. How about that, church? They had a good work ethic. And I think as Christians, it's really important that we have a good work ethic. They didn't just talk the talk, but they walked the walk. They followed God. So how can we stand out in a culture that says, do what pleases you? We live in a culture, doesn't it, that's bombarding us to say, do what pleases you. But as Christians, God has called us to, to do what pleases him, to live the way that pleases him, to do the things that he's asked of us. In Galatians 5, 3, uh, 13 to 26, as you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it goes on to say, the acts, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discourse, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But this is what I want to look at. But, he's saying, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So let me bring this, say this to us today. Let us bring the uncommon to the common. Yeah, let us bring the uncommon to the common. The common says that do what pleases you. The common says that it's okay to share your angry opinion, to get angry and to say whatever you want to say to people. The common says it's okay to be unkind. We need to show love in a hateful world. We need to be kind in an unkind world. If there was ever a time where we, church, need to stand up and to show kindness, to be kind to people, it's now. They stood out by the way they lived and the way that they acted towards people. We need to show forgiveness in an unforgiving world. We need to be patient in an impatient world. I don't know if this is you, but if you're in, stuck in traffic, how many of us get impatient, start you know, bibbing the horn and if someone cuts you up and shouting out the window, winding the window down and waving at them and that. You know, the funny thing was that one, uh, this was a long time ago, but we were going to visit, take my mum to the hospital and uh, we just happened to go, Chris just happened to turn right and this woman had got so angry or, and she started shouting and that and then on her sticker at the back it said, praise the Lord. <laughs> I just, we just thought that was hilarious. 
You know, so be, people are watching us. You know, what you profess and what you've got stickers and what you're wearing. People will watch us, you know, what would Jesus do kind of thing, sort of thing. Uh, and it's so important. You know, we're called to be peacemakers. You only have to go shopping now at the moment. Or you've seen it on Facebook or whatever it is, you know, on the news. And people are fighting over stuff. We need to be peacemakers in an angry and divided world. We need to be selfless in a self-centered world. In a me-centered world, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. To gain the whole world, it's, it's almost like we have to give up everything. We have to give up our rights. And we don't sometimes understand that. And we're human and, and the flesh gets in and the, there's a fight against the flesh, you know, that says, actually, my rights, this is mine. This is my toilet roll. I had it first. <laughs> you know, it's crazy, isn't it? But it's so true. It's so true in honor preferring one another. And we as Christians should show a different spirit because of who lives inside of us and because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen, church? Yeah, come on. And, it, you know, we should stand out from our culture. And our faith should affect every area of our lives. Not just on a Sunday. We're not just Sunday Christians. We're not just LifeLink Christians. We're not just prayer meeting Christians. Just when it, those times when, yeah, we're just doing that. But we have to walk the talk. We have to live what we profess, what we sing about on a Sunday morning, what we sing when we gather together. We have to live out and be those people that God has called us to be. And if ever there was a time now, church, I believe God is saying, stand up. Stand out. Stand out. Our attitudes should be different. Our work, are we work shy? Our work ethics. You know, sometimes I've heard of people, wherever they've changed jobs so many times, and they're saying, you know, oh, my boss hates me, and, and you know, but they have that problem everywhere. And then I'm thinking, have you actually looked at your work ethic? Maybe you're late, maybe you're not punctual, maybe you're not doing your work that you should be getting done. You know, we have to look at ourselves first and say, actually, is there any merit in what you're saying? And, and what, what am I showing? Where is my work ethic? Uh, gossiping, you know, about people. The workplace is an amazing place, isn't it? Where I used to work, it was like, I used to work as a secretary in a junior school part-time. And one of the ladies, she would gossip about everyone. And I thought, she's actually going to do that about me. As soon as I walk out the door, she'll start about me. But you know what? If you're not careful, you get sucked into the environment. And there were times that I'd got sucked in and I had to shake myself out of that and say, hey, this is not you. This is not what, how God wants you to live your life. And it's so easy to get sucked into that culture. So work, what are you like at work? How is your work ethic? Our relationships, you know, how do we treat other people? What do we say about them? How do we speak to other people? How, what do we speak when we talk uh, to people about each other? Our wealth, how do we, you view your stuff? You know, Andy Stanley says it's the assumption consumption. It's always assuming that everything God gives you is for your consumption, which is so wrong. You know, that's what we live in. We live in a world that says everything that I have belongs to me. It's me. It's mine. It's my precious, isn't it? 
And, and, and the thing is that we need to, everything God, that we've get, been given is God's at the end of the day. It's so important, church, how you view your wealth and your money and your stuff. Our bodies, we need to look after um, our bodies. And I struggle with that. I like chocolates. You know, but it's, it's the stuff that we put into our bodies as well. So, you know, God is, says, you know, your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Look after our bodies. The church, fellowship and community is so important. You know, this is so important. Our priorities, we need to keep the main thing the main thing. That everything revolves around the one thing, the center of our lives, and that's our relationship with God. Everything flows out of that. And we live in a, in a world that you, we have so many voices. You'll hear so many voices. Everyone has an opinion. Isn't that true? And the church has got in on the act. Isn't that true? Because you only have to look at Facebook to see everyone's got their opinion on the virus. Everyone's got an opinion on what should happen, what you should do, and what's truth, and what's this, and what's that. And there's some stuff that's fake out there. But everyone has an opinion. And I love this quote by a guy called Bob Goff. And he says, everyone has an opinion. Be an example. Which I think is so true. Be an example because everyone will tell you, you know, we need to be an example. Francis of Assisi said, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Let's stand out in a world that wants to mold us into its image. Yeah, let's stand out. When people look at us, do we stand out? Secondly, let's stand up. And you know, these guys, these men stood up firm in the midst of fear and intimidation. They were obedient to God's word. They were not afraid to speak out. As we said, you know, when the three guys before Nebuchadnezzar, he says, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to serve us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But, but, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue that you've set up. Now, it's easy to say God's going to save me from all this stuff. But you know what they said? Even if God doesn't, my trust is in God. And I love Paul when he says, you know, in uh, I can't remember the, what book, uh, if it was Ephesians or Chris will probably tell me anyway, that when he says, I've gone through so many things, you know, I've been beaten, I've been stripped, I've been shipwrecked and Corinthians 11. Yeah, and, and all these things, he, he's been through so much, you know, but he's had, he says, I've had plenty and I've had little. But in all, I've learned to be content. And church, we need to learn to be content, but we need to be in a place where it's, it's not always easy, but it's only going to be our relationship with Jesus is to say, even if he doesn't save us, I'm still going to trust you. And that's a hard thing. I know I'm preaching that, guys, but
but we need to come to a place that says things are going to get hard, church, but the church needs to rise up to the challenge. We need to keep faith in the face of challenge, yeah? Especially at this time, church, you need to rise up to the challenge. We need to rise up to the challenge that God will save us, but even if he doesn't, we're still going to stand up. We're still going to stand up. You know, culture wants to try and squeeze us, and it squeezes us and squeezes us. It will bring us to an ultimatum, to a place where we feel like we have to behave, believe in the same things. I don't know how many of you, if you're honest, find that a pressure at times. when You, re- you only have to read stuff. Can I just make a comment? Please don't spend time reading so much stuff about stuff like the coronavirus. People will just, you know, what, what you keep your mind on will keep you, like, consumed by it. I think you need to be wise. I think we need to be wise. We know you do the possible, which we've been told. So you're wise and you wash your hands. You do the whatever, you know, the elbow or whatever. If, you, if you're um, elderly, you, you look after yourself. And we look after the elderly and the, the vulnerable and those who, who are real. Uh, so we do the possible. Only God can do the impossible, yeah? So if God chooses to save us out of that, he will do that. But that is what God will choose. And we have to come to a place where we have to stand and learn to be content that God let your will be done. Because it's so easy that we can stand in rhetoric and we can preach all the, the, the you know, God is going to protect me in my household and that. I believe it's good to do that. I believe it's good to pray for that. But even, this is the challenge for us as church. There are times when we, we like the bravado gospel, don't we? We like the, 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 the stuff that everything's going to be okay. We'll live happily ever after. But we know that life is not like that, you know. So even if he doesn't, I'm still going to put my faith and trust in you, God. And how do we stand up? Do your homework again. Know what we're fighting at. The Bible says we do not fight. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. And, and know your God. Be informed. No, I, I know I said don't read up on everything, but know the issues that if people are talking and asking you questions, at least know what you're talking about or how you're answering them. So be wise. If you don't know, just say you don't know. Share your truth, your story. People can never take your truth away from you because that's your story, that's your truth. You know, I can share my story of how I became a Christian. People can't knock that because that's my truth and I stand on my truth. So share your story with people and ask for boldness. Ask God to give you a spirit of boldness, to stand up, to speak up. Uh, be a voice, not an echo. You know, we, we, we have so many echoes because of the stuff that we listen to. It's called echo chambers, you know, with the, the internet or whatever, uh, you know, will just feed us the stuff that we keep looking at. So be wise about the stuff that you're looking at and be wise ab- about the people that you surround yourself in as well. And there's a famous quote, and everyone always quotes this about Francis Assisi, but apparently people aren't sure that he said it anyway. He says, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. But I'm actually going to say I disagree. I think you need both. 
You need to stand out. You need to live the life that God wants you to live, but you need to stand up. So there will be time that you need to share the gospel. You need to speak up. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. If you've never shared with people, how are they going to know? How are they going to hear? So we need to speak up. We need to share the gospel with people. You need both. We need, people need to see our lives, but also they need to uh, hear our stories that uh, how Jesus has changed our lives. Thirdly, let's stand strong. You know, they stood strong in, with their convictions despite the obvious threat to their lives, even if that meant imminent death. And Chris said it last week. It says about Daniel, he determined in his heart before. He'd already set his values and his boundaries beforehand. So when the time of... Um, assault came, when the time of challenge came, he was able to stand up. Have you set values and boundaries in your life as a Christian, the things that are non-negotiable in your life? Because you will be challenged by lots of things, but if you've, got, if you've not got your values and your boundaries set up, then what are you going to do in the, the heat of the battle? We have to know and set up our values and our boundaries they trusted in God, and they di- even though they didn't know what God's plan was, it says, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will, serve, we will never serve your God. And their relationship with God determined their stand during the test. Standing takes faith. And the Bible says, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. When was the last time you read the word of God? really read the Word of God. You know, sometimes I've had the, uh, I go through the Bible app, uh, Bible through the year, and sometimes, you know what, you just want to get through it, you know, and I missed quite a few days, and I wanted to catch up, and you just read it, and sometimes when you read the Bible, you read it as a book, and there's the, the, the commas and the full stops, and you just read it, but pause, take time, and see actually what's God saying, and, you know, I had to read through Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and, and you kind of think, oh, they're just, oh. But if you stop and begin to think about what he's saying and what God is doing, it's amazing what you can get out of it and how God will speak to you. Parents, teach your children the word of God. Make it exciting from a young age. Read them the Bible when they go to bed. Pray with them. They need this, and we need that. We need to know what the word of God And we need to get our priorities straight. They lived in a culture that did not honor God, but they resolved to obey God. In Romans, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The pressure for Daniel and his friends, they tried to indoctrinate them in the culture, in that they were sent in, they were exiled into. And yet, with all that, the four men stood. And the Bible even said they thrived in that culture because they were promoted. They thrived in that culture without undermining their relationship with God. How can we stand out, stand up and stand strong in an increasingly godless culture? Firstly, Know God. You've got to know who God is. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus. It all starts with Jesus. You've got to know who you are. The only way you will know who you are is knowing God. It's only Jesus can 
who can define you. No one else. Everyone's trying to define our identities, aren't they? Everyone's trying to tell you what you should be, what you should, who you are, what you should look at. Like. It's only God that can um, define you. Thirdly, know the word of God. You know, don't just read it as I've said, but ask the Holy Spirit. Pray by keeping close to God. You know, your prayer life, you need to be soaked in prayer. I don't know whether you've had been so busy in a week that you're, you're, you've gone sort of, you've not had maybe time to pray or read or whatever, but you've gone sort of, you've taken these sort of, it's almost like gone away, not that you've gone away from God, but your attitude changes. I don't know about you, the way you think, if you're focused on the wrong things and not God, then it's easy to make the wrong decisions and choices in life. But if you're always focused on Jesus and his word and knowing what his word says about how you should live and praying and listening to him, then that will help us. Be part of community. You know, don't be like the, the, the person that says, I don't need church. I can be church by myself. That's a load of rubbish. The Bible says, don't forsake meeting as some of you are in the habit. And that means that going to church once a month is not regular, which some people say it is. We need to be part of community. We need the church. To, we need fellowship, not only on Sundays, but life links and smaller groups where you allow God. You know, this is a place also where God speaks. We believe that, that God can speak to your life. God can encourage you. As iron sharpens iron, we sharpen one another. I believe it's time to get back to the basics. Acts 2.42 says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Well, or ouch, because of what we think. Perhaps how we handle ourselves. Time has gone on. Let's stand and pray. This is the church. This is just such a perfect time for us as individuals and as a church to stand out, to stand up and to stand strong. In the midst of what's going on in our world at the moment, God is asking us to stand out in the way we live, in the way we treat others, in our generous generosity, in the way we're going to give to people. And that means not to be fearful, not to panic. To ask how our neighbors are doing, to ask the people in our world who are not well, to, to look out for the uh, the, those who are vulnerable and those who are older than us. We need to stand out by the way that we, we're going to respond in this season. We need to stand up also. And the reason why we're doing this is because we trust in Jesus. The reason why I'm acting this way is because I trust in God. And we need to stand strong. Don't let fear grip your heart. And don't, the Bible says don't be anxious, but bring everything to God in in prayer. And having done all, having done the possible, having done what everything you've been commanded to do this time and this season, having done all of that, 
stand. And we trust in a God of the impossible. Amen, church? So I just want to pray this morning. I'm just going to pray for us as individuals that God will really captivate our hearts this morning. Yeah, thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we just thank you for your word. I thank you because your word will never return to you void, but it will accomplish the very things that you've sent it forth to do. And Holy Spirit, I pray that it will go into good ground where it will be watered and flourish and bear much fruit. Holy Spirit, I pray that even in this season you would captivate our hearts, Lord God, that our focus would be on you on the amazing God that we serve. We serve a risen Savior. We praise you, Lord God. Help us to be the people in this season to stand out, to stand up and to stand strong. Help us to be a voice for the voiceless. Help us to be generous in time of need, O oh God. Help us to be kind, Lord God. Help us to be loving. Help us to share what you've given us with those around us. Help us to pray for one another, to support one another. And so, Lord, I pray, let your kingdom come in this time. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us wisdom and guidance in this season. And we thank you that even if you don't, even if you don't, we will still stand strong, that you will guide us and lead us, Lord. I do pray for protection over every family, over every life, over every child, from the youngest to the oldest, Lord God. And I thank you that we serve a risen Savior. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.